Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We can get back into the bringing down of statues across America. Is now It is now hit to McKinley. President McKinley brought down in Arcata, California. Oh, my. And, uh, I mean, if you're going to take him down for the reasons stated, I don't know where you stop. Um, but uh, that a little bit later. Also, the latest challenge for teenagers, or, you know, <laughs> 20-somethings, and uh, these sweep the nation. Just shows you that uh, because people aren't getting married and having kids or even working jobs in many cases. Right. You've got plenty of time to either eat Tide Pods, snort condoms up your nose and cough them out your mouth, or the the latest craze, which I'll bring to you in a, a little oh, I bit. I thought the condom thing was the latest thing. I'm out of date. How yeah. about the snorting cinnamon? That was or eating it or... Yeah, it was the eating a spoonful and you yes. couldn't do it. Yeah, Great. yeah the snorting yes. condom thing. We talked about that yesterday. Yeah. It's... In case you missed it, don't do it. Well, or do it. I know. Whatever. <laughs> I don't care. I you're you're 22. Ahead. Do whatever you want. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so you're do you want to clar- vote? Go ahead. Do you want to clarify something before I dove into my oh, chilling yeah. experience on now, the jury? The weird shooter woman who's dead uh, at YouTube. Um, not a Christian. She's of the Baha'i faith. Mm-hmm. Baha'i, everybody. 
um, which I don't you quite... You say un- Baha'i, I say hello. I don't quite understand, but it's not Christian. Yeah, okay. Fair anyway, enough. she's not a Muslim, which when I first heard her name, obviously you think, oh, okay, here we go. Well, she's from a predominantly Muslim part of the world, um, and if she was banned, all the media would report uh, it was a Muslim ban, <laughs> whether she was or not. Uh, because they just report what they want. You know, I uh, I talked a little earlier about being on the jury for the last couple of days. Um, and, uh, and, and if you missed the segment, I shared some of it with you. I mostly told the story from my old jury experience because, I, you know, these people didn't sign up for me to be there and talk about their lives, especially because, you know, if you're involved in a criminal trial, it's almost certainly the worst day of somebody's life or damn near, whether the victim or the uh, the defendant or whatever. It's people's misery on display. Now, you know, the only counter-argument I came up with for myself was that it is an absolutely sacred principle of our court system that it's open. There are no secret courts, except for the FISA court. They're, you know, It's not behind closed doors with only the government judging you. You get to watch, which is fantastic. That's one of the reasons I didn't want to go to trial with the particular case we were involved with, was I just, I didn't really want... Uh you know, being a public figure, that much uh, exposure. Yeah, yeah. Which I understand why you have to have, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. But, you know, the one thing we did talk about is that you're in, when you begin deliberating, because you're not allowed to talk about the trial um, with the jury until you're given the case to go deliberate. Y- you can talk about the weather and sports and anything you want, but not about the trial. And so... Did you were you in situations where you were like? Did you have breaks where you're all sitting around? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, quite a few. I've never been sure. on a jury. I have no idea what it's like. Yeah, yeah. There are a number of breaks. Or you're sitting there waiting for court to start, or you know, you have a lunch break, and four or five of you decide to go eat lunch together. Boys, but so you can't say, boy, how about that chick? Boy, she's something, isn't she? Not a word. Not a word. In fact, I couldn't tell uh, people, and I can't believe I forgot this when we were talking about it a couple hours ago. Um, that day one of the trial, I. Uh, I decide I'm going to go to the bathroom before the court starts. And uh, what'd you wear? Uh, just you know, like uh, khakis and a dress shirt, that okay. sort of thing. You dressed better than you dressed for work. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Absolutely. What's I took that's... it more seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Is why. Um, but so anyway, I had a I had a couple things I was carrying. So I go into the stall and I relieve myself. This is a good story so far. And then I come out and there's the defendant. Right there. Really? Washing his, about to wash his hands. Now that's interesting. Yeah, and you're not allowed to have any contact, any conversation with. The de- guilty! <laughs> you can't do that? With the defendant or, or the attorneys or anybody. None. Um, 100 bucks, this all goes away. You can't say that to him? Oh, well, you, you could if you wanted. Um, well, it could have been a quick uh, couple of dollars now that I think about it. But it, it was funny because I, I come out of the stall, he looks at me. I look at him, we both immediately look at the ground, and we are seriously 18 inches apart at this point, each pretending the other one isn't there. I watch over, I wash my hands, I uh, dry my hands, I notice there's no soap in the dispenser, I figure out my hands are clean enough, and this is so weird, and he's pretending I'm not there as he's washing his I grab the towel, I walk out without so much as a nod or a grunt. And, uh, that Why don't you weird. follow the law, you said as you walked out the door. Why don't what? I don't know. I couldn't understand your heckle. <laughs> But anyway, so once you go into the jury room and start deliberating, it's one of the most interesting experiences I've ever had. Now, I've had it a couple of times that there are wildly different ways people approach things, just like neurologically, psychologically, experience wise. 
and you realize, oh my God, people see the world wildly differently than I do. They feel the same about you. Right. Yeah. Yeah, probably so. Um, and, and, and you asked me, do I think professional juries would be a good idea? There are obviously some issues that you might need to solve. There are some challenges with it. But in general, yeah, I think it's a great idea. I, yeah, juries scare me. The last jury I was on several years ago, there were one or two people who were just really too dumb to understand the evidence in the law. I mean, they just couldn't if they tried. God bless them. It's not their fault they're dumb. I don't make fun of people for being dumb unless they have it coming. There were some people who just had such a bizarre view of life or lack of life experience. They couldn't possibly weigh evidence. They just couldn't. And I found it just... It well, it was. It, I was shaken. That would be easier to deal with because, like you said, if somebody just doesn't have the um, the 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 computing power to deal with the intricacies of something, that's one thing. But if you were dealing with somebody, you think they're they're coming from some, some such a place of racism, one way or the other, or something like that. That would be tough. Yeah, that would be really tough. Absolutely, you can't reason with them because they're not being fair. Yeah. Being you know, not understanding is not is not a lack of being fair. You know, I didn't run into any of that at any point um, in either trial, and there right that'd be the worst. Yeah, but uh, you know, I mentioned earlier the blind lady who couldn't understand why anybody'd get upset about a car. She's never driven in her life, and then the other lady had this weird magical thinking that blind people had extra sensory perception or something, and that we had to listen to her especially. I think I might have oh. to stand up. I got to take a knee after that. I'm sorry, yeah. lady. I want to know how far that line of thinking goes. Does she think people like without hands run really fast? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was crazy. And then, you know, again, and, you know, maybe I ought to write an editorial about this or something. The instructions to the jury from the judge. Now, they tell you about the law. Now, this law that you're being asked, did he violate this? You're going to convict him as this. This law is this. That's fairly straightforward. But then they give you pages the judge reads pages of how to deal with testimonial evidence how to deal with circumstantial evidence how to deal with if you um if you if you believe someone was lying about something how do you decide whether everything was a lie or some of it was a lie it they literally pages of instructions and i will tell you this and i will not talk about the jury i was just on out of respect for the folks i served with but the last jury i was on and and frankly, you know what? If the last jury was contradicted by this jury, folks, I'd probably say something about that, wouldn't I? The last jury <laughs> I was on several years ago, the judge's instructions were specifically and explicitly ignored and or violated immediately. Not willfully. But immediately. Within, within the minutes. first two minutes. Wow, that's something. Because people either didn't hear it, they spaced off, or more likely, they didn't understand it when it was said, because the instructions are voluminous. And it's one of those things that, you know, it's like needle in a haystack. They throw a haystack at you, and, you know, two or three of the things probably apply specifically to your but, case. But I can picture those jury instructions started with a couple of sentences, you know, 50 years ago, and they've grown to... It probably took the judge 15 minutes. That's what I was going to ask. How long did it take? 
That's a guesstimate. It might have seemed extra long. It was absolutely 10. You know, I do this for a living, and I'm constantly looking at a clock. It was absolutely 10 and maybe as long as 15 minutes. That's a long time of stuff you got to pay attention closely to. And especially if a lot of the terminology is new to you, and if he says something about, say, he's described, at one point he was describing intent. And if you have to noodle through what he means by that and how it applies to the case you're in, because of the natural human tendency, sure. you can't just grab the principle and put it aside. You want to think, oh, that's right, because there was a question of intent. Did he intend to hurt the victim? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, ipso um, facto. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. It's hard to argue with it. Um, meanwhile, while you contemplated that for 35 seconds, you missed his long description of dealing with you know, whatever exhibits or, or can you or give an example witness from, testimony? Can you give him an example from last time around something that was violated within minutes of sitting down? Um, just hard for me to picture since I've never heard these rules or anything. Oh, whether you can consider punishment or not. He says quite specifically, don't sit there and say, oh, the guy could get up to 15 years. Um, don't don't think about that. Think about whether the case, the state proved the case beyond a reasonable doubt. Let the judge worry about the penalty and uh, and whether you like the idea that somebody can go to jail for 10 years for robbing a gas station or not. You tell us you are the fact finders. That is, you are the only fact finders. And that is your only job. And you sat down. Well, and the gentleman, you no, I will not yield to this monkey court or whatever this thing. This is, is not a monkey court. This wow, is not that, a monkey court. Who put a mic in our deliberations? <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, the contemplating what the penalty might be and the effect on the defendant's life came up wow. immediately. Wow, that now and that's, I am see, that's interesting. I was, I'm absolutely certain it was a mistake made innocently. Right. Just because there was a snowstorm of instructions. But that is pretty interesting. And if there are a million instructions, there are no instructions. I can see accidentally bringing that up, you know, on day three when you're tired and everything like that. But if you did it right as soon as you sat down, you just didn't hear it. Right. Nice people. They meant no harm. So, uh, anytime we have these international bad guys on the world stage, the, we sanction them, right? All the good guys sanction the bad guys. North that's, Korea, Russia, Iran. That's how you keep them in line. Turns out, these people cheat all the time. We've got a great example of that coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the of nation. Of the nation. followed geopolitics the whole sanctions thing always just seemed to me so stupid i would i would hear these various politicians or un members talk about very harsh sanctions and like the fifth time i heard about harsh sanctions on north korea for instance and it was obvious they were continuing to get bigger and stronger as they have over decades now i thought why do you keep talking like something important's happening when clearly it's not well, it turns out that, uh, yeah, that's the way it usually goes, including with Iran. For instance, for like a decade, they were cheating on the super harsh sanctions. This time, we're really cracking down. 
Well, yeah, but, well, I tell you what, before we go too far down the road, let's welcome Joby Warwick of the Washington Post uh, to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Joby is a national security reporter covering terrorism, rogue states, weapons proliferation, and that sort of thing. Welcome, sir. How are you? Good to be with you. And likewise, you know, the key uh, to cheating on sanctions, uh, you know, as I've observed this sort of thing through the years, is uh, a willing partner. And it appears that there are plenty of those as well, Joby. Tell us about it. Absolutely, and, and absolutely, your, your setup in the beginning was, was just right. I think sometimes uh, politicians of all parties, just they don't really have any good options, and so let's go with the default, let's impose sanctions. And sometimes it just gets ludicrous, they'll sanction some guy who's uh, in ISIS, as if you know sanctions from the U.S. is really going to have any impact on them, but that's just the only kind of tool in the arsenal mm-hmm. sometimes. But here you have a case where there was, uh, yeah, we had, tons of different sanctions going back years on Iran, and they very cleverly found ways to get around them. In this particular story that we had uh, early this week, it was a bank in in Bahrain, this little country next door to Iran, that was partly owned by Iranian banks and managed to be this uh, great little hidey hole for all kinds of schemes to try to get uh, get around sanctions and uh, was able to get to cash transactions in the billions of dollars uh, through to Iran during that period. Billions of dollars over how long a period were they cheating on the sanctions? So it was from about 2004 to 2015. Uh, the way the bank started was uh, the Bahrainis for a while decided they tried to want to warm up relations with Iran, so they allowed this joint venture bank to take place. And they kept complaining and looking at concerns that they had about this bank. They finally shut the bank down in 2015, and what we have now is a look inside what the the bank was doing during all that time. So you've got auditors and bank officials kind of crawling all through the records, and they discovered, lo and behold, there's just massive amounts of fraud going on, and it was uh, hugely helpful in getting uh, Iran to survive the, the sanctions. Can you tell us what wire stripping is? Yeah, so this was kind of a key tactic. So if you're, you know, Bank of America and you're trying to send money or, you know, do a transaction with a foreign bank, there's a system called the SWIFT system. It gets very complicated. Basically, there's an international messaging system which they use to, to, to exchange money and make transactions work. Well, uh, instead of using that, uh, what, what this bank would do would be disguise transactions by taking Iran's name out of it or making it, sort of fuzzing it up so it's not clear at all that Iran has anything to do with it. And that's not uh, kosher under the system. It's, it involves legal practices and you know changing of bank records. But this is what these guys did routinely for you know thousands and thousands of transactions just to take Iran's name out of the equation. You know, one thing that makes me mad on this whole sanctions story is a lot of times the uh, the politicians that are talking about these harsh sanctions know very well that they're <laughs> they're not going to do anything, and they still act like they're accomplishing something. But in particular. Uh, you know, it's not surprising that there are enemies of uh, of the United States that work with other enemies to get around sanctions. But a lot of times it's it's allies of the United States, European allies, that they can make more money by uh, getting around the sanctions with Russia or Iran or North Korea or whoever. So sometimes our friends do it. That's really frustrating. It's amazing that this little thing called greed sometimes yeah. trumps mm. policy. And, yeah, we saw you know British banks, German banks, other banks – in the past, doing you know tons of business with Iran because it it was suitable to them. They were making money off the transactions, and they were willing to cut corners in some cases to 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 let this stuff slip by. 
and only after you know the U.S. really squawks about it and starts you know levying fines here and there, they start to change the behavior. But it's anytime you're trying to get around sanctions, if you're willing to pay, to pay the the extra you know expenses and costs, you can usually find a way to do it. Joby Warwick is uh, with us from the Washington Post National Security Reporter. You know, Joby, I heard a story not terribly long ago, probably four or five months ago, um, where uh, Shinzo Abe, the uh, prime minister of Japan, was talking about how mad they were at North Korea. I think this is probably the last time North Korea lobbed a missile over the Japanese mainland. Um, And and Abe uh, announced that they are extra mad now and we're going to cut... Oh, what was it? Uh, cut imports from North Korea by 20% or something like that. And I was astounded that they have any trade with North Korea whatsoever. And that's a country that's right there in the neighborhood, theoretically, directly threatened. Um, what's, what's the situation with North Korea and China and its neighbors at this point? Are they more or less completely choked off now or no? Well, we keep faking they are, and then yet we would find these workarounds. I had a story just a few weeks ago. It was this remarkable situation where North Korea is trying to sell its coal. It's one of its most valuable foreign exports that sells a lot of coal, including to some of its neighbors. But in order to get around sanctions and in the appearance of, of supporting North Korea's economy, they worked out this great little scheme where the coal was sent to a, an obscure port in Russia, where it's dumped into a big pile. Other ships come pick up that same coal and sell it to the Japanese and, and the South Koreans. And so they're still doing business as before, but just by kind of laundering the coal, in a manner of speaking, by taking it to another port and, and having different ships pick it up, it's, it was just it's, it's hypocritical, it's cynical, it's, you know, you know, find the right adjective, but it's, it's business as usual. And even though there's a lot of complaining about North Korea's behavior, often when there's money to be made, countries are willing to look the other it's way. It's enough to make you cynical. Yeah. Uh, sure. Joby Warwick of the Washington Post. You know, we could talk all day about this. Really good job. I hope we can do it again. I'm afraid we're up against a hard break, but uh, thanks a million for the time. Love to do it again. Thanks right. again. Well done. Thanks. Boy, how good was he? Yeah, terrific. He was fantastic. Absolutely terrific. You know, on that, on that North Korea one, I, I, I'm often left thinking, if Japan doesn't care, why am I right. supposed to care? And you know, the one thing he didn't have time to point out is those end buyers of the coal, they know exactly what's going on. Sure. They know where it comes from. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Fired FBI Director James Comey's tell-all book tour. We have the launch date and more. Yes, that's going to be so huge. North Korea's got two big exports, exports, coal and tapeworms. That's the only thing they have. Mm. We have an exciting little update. On the whole Trump soap opera with Marsha Phillips. Well, for the first time since he was fired by President Trump, James Comey will break his silence and sit down with ABC News chief anchor George Stephanopoulos. Yeah. First interview with Stephanopoulos. Yep. Okay. Exclusive. Well, you could fit to a Stephanopoulos in Comey. I wonder how uh, Stephanopoulos won the gig. I mean, almost everybody yeah. with a big book, almost everybody, and I mean nine out of ten, go with sixty minutes. Right. It's Why a, Stephanopoulos? It's an exclusive interview. It's going to air during a primetime 2020 special on Sunday, April the 15th. Oh, so they're going to run it at night, opposite 60 Minutes. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Primetime. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think Comey's a good dude. I don't think he's corrupt. But I think maybe he's fallen a little in love with uh, being, a, being a celebrity. I think that's a possibility. I read a story the other day about him 
being out and about in New York a lot and big shows and stuff like that and huh. people coming up to him and I don't know. It's it'll 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 be interesting to watch. Yeah, he, he I guarantee he hates Trump at this point. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean he hates him. So yeah, they're very different guys. I'll and I would too. That. You know, if my boss fired me that way, I'd hate him too. Right. His uh, publisher saying in the blurb announcing the interview, the publication date of a higher. By the way, Marshall, I don't hate anyone. I forgive. (laughs) Back to you. The publication. (laughs) I forgive you so much. (laughs) The publication date of a higher loyalty, truth, lies, and leadership was moved up to April 17th because the FBI is under intense scrutiny and there was a demand on the former FBI director to weigh in on the urgent conversation about the Bureau. You've got to say that title again. That is a higher loyalty, truth, lies, and leadership. (laughs) Wow. That is the most laden with hints title I think I've ever heard. Well, the title comes from, I'm pretty sure this is true, higher loyalty, his his claim or others claim that uh, Trump demanded a loyalty oath, which I think is a stretch of what Trump said, but... Sure. Um... That he has a higher loyalty to this country than to hotelier Donald Trump demanding an oath of loyalty. But uh, I, I think Comey's going to be surprised. I think I think tr- Comey believes that when he explains why he decided to jump into the election so many different times, that everybody's going to say, oh, okay, I get it. And I don't think that's the way people are going to react. I don't think Hillary fans are going to react that way. I don't think Trump fans are going to react that way. How's Anthony Weiner going to react? I think he could come out of this worse than he went in. Going to send him a dick pic. That's how he's going to react. I'm sorry, folks. That was coarse. We'll see. California, turns out, is on the fence about putting National Guard troops on the U.S.-Mexico border. A statement from the uh, National Guard spokesman in California, Tom Keegan, says, quote, We look forward to more detail, including funding, duration, and end state. The uh, Republican governors in Texas and Arizona, they both agreed to the deployment, but California's Governor Jerry Brown has opposed the Trump administration on several issues, and this may be one of them. I don't believe in securing our border. That's uh, interesting that you can make that argument. Trump uh, can go ahead and authorize the deployment of the National Guard troops uh, to combat illegal immigration, contending the situation has reached, uh, quote, a point of crisis. That declaration said the security of the U.S. is imperiled by a drastic surge of illegal activity on the southern border. I don't think there's been a drastic surge. But even NPR, as I mentioned earlier this morning, said their correspondent said uh, the uh, people crossing have become much more, much bolder. Yes. Now, he didn't get into what that means, but uh, that's what they said, even on NPR. Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen saying border security is Homeland Security, which is national security. Uh, it's not a partisan issue. It's not something we can separate out. It's core to being a sovereign nation. It's insane that we even have this conversation. <laughs> Securing your borders is, is just being a country. You don't let people come in. I don't care if they're good people, bad people, speak English, speak alien. You just don't let people come in randomly. You don't do that. Otherwise, you're just an administrative district. And if you've got 20 million people that have come in illegally in the last couple decades, you have a huge problem and you got to stop it. And you know who agrees with that? Almost 90% of Americans. Almost 90% of Americans, no matter what your politics. So I I don't understand how this is even a controversy. More than 100 Northern California homes are now in the hands of the feds after a sweeping crackdown on a criminal marijuana-growing operation. The Justice Department says a criminal organization based in China 
was paying for the illegal weed growing operation in and around Sacramento. I gotta remember to have my realtor check with the Chinese drug gangs <laughs> next time I try <laughs> yeah. to sell a house. China! They're yeah. buying. Yeah, the authorities suspect about 85% of the home buys were handled by a single real estate agent in the Sacramento area who remains unidentified because oh. the investigation is ongoing. Gotta get a name. Gotta get a name. Hey, we got this text. Yeah. Hey, Jack on Comey, you're so wrong. He's corrupt to the bone. Interesting that you have that take. And corrupt in which direction? And and if he is corrupt on one side or the other, why did he do the stuff that would worked against right. him? Yeah, I don't think he's corrupt. I just think he's uh, opinionated and a bit pleased with himself. But you know, he, he's we'll he's got too much belief that he could control the narrative of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'd been better off if he'd have just stayed out of it. By the way, we have another major, major celebrity thinking about running for president. None other than Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. I thought that had been put to rest, that he wasn't going to run. He's not ruling out running, he says. He's on the cover of the new Rolling Stone magazine. You remember that. All the great presidential hopefuls do. (laughs) He says he's flattered people are excited about him possibly running, but thinks it's a function of people just being very unsatisfied with our current president. But he says... Being president is a skill set that requires years and years of experience. He's not delusional enough to think if Trump can do it, I can do it. But he adds, he is entertaining the thought. Hey, Mr. Dwayne The Rock, the only reason anybody's talking about you for president is the same reason they were talking about Donald Trump for president. You're not a reaction to Trump. You're a reaction to the absolutely despicable, corrupt, unresponsive federal government. You two are the same. You're not the anti-Trump, Dwayne The Rock. Is he a Democrat or a Republican? That I don't know. Do you know, uh, Sean? No idea. I, I would no guess idea. Democrat. But... Yeah. That's probably what I would think, too. But... Based on his biceps? I mean, I don't know. Well, the fact that he's still getting work in Hollywood probably means he's a liberal. <laughs> <laughs> that is a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of a nation. Yeah, I like the nation better. I'm he back to the nation. He doesn't just do movies with... Tim Allen and Chuck Norris. (laughs) 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 James Woods, Stephen Baldwin. Hey, it's the Tiger Woods song on the day Tiger Woods is playing in the Masters. Way to go, Michael. Haven't heard this in a while. Let's dig a little of this. Please. Dougie, this one. Can you take your name off your phone? My wife has my phone and made me call. Take your name off your phone. <laughs> this is so good. Yeah, this is funny. Who says romance? Yeah. So who released? Who released the phone conversations? It was a uh, porn skank, wasn't it? Yeah, you interviewed Jamie Grubbs too. Do you remember that? He interviewed her. Oh, boy, we did. As memorable. Got <laughs> <laughs> we'll interview anybody. I, I remember it. What the hell did we talk to her about? I don't remember exactly, but you said thank you for being. Oh, she said um, this interview was easy, and Jack, you said thank you for being easy. <laughs> oh, that's right. It was a funny interview. <laughs> that's right. John. John. I, sh- I slut-shamed her before slut-shaming oh, was cool. My. Oh, my. Uh, stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. You know, when I go to clubs or if I go out, I generally wear pants. <laughs> that was her. Yeah. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. She can describe the president's genitalia in great detail. 
There you go. Well, nice. the lawyer, go ahead then. The lawyer for Stormy Daniels. Well, it's gold for one thing. Uh, <laughs> clearly, it's tanned. <laughs> Apparently, she did do that, and 60 Minutes left that out of the interview that aired on... It's orange Good. as a carrot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shut up! <laughs> I thought it was a carrot. I thought I was looking at Frosty the Snowman there for a second. But no. You know, I'm pretty sure mine's not that discussable. I don't think I don't think you could pick mine out of a lineup based on a description. I mean, it's not unique enough. I don't think. Oh boy, this is incredibly uncomfortable. It's got a certain sameness to it. Yeah. That's funny. That reminds me. There's a. You know, um, it reminds me of the American Worker. You know, it it may not be distinctive. It may not be beautiful. But by God, it shows up and it gets the job done. <laughs> huh? It's not a movie star. <laughs> That's a good way to think of it. Thank you, Michael. It's dependable, <laughs> solid. That's right. Um, there's a, my uh, my kids are really in, on a history kick for some reason. Uh, my thank second, God a transition. My second grade, well, I'm not really. Uh-oh. So my second grader especially <laughs> is on a history kick, and he got this book of world history. Well, it's got a lot of like Greek and Roman history with a lot ah, of yes. with a lot of statues in ah, it. Yes. And so my wife's reading the book to him at night, and every time she turns the page, they all say, "Penis! There's a penis! <laughs> Another penis!" All the statues have their penises there. So. Oh boy. <laughs> Can you see my privates? Can you, can you? Can you see my privates? Can you, can you? You can on the Davada. <laughs> can you see his privates? Can you, can you? Michelangelo. Yes. Uh, seems like I had a point. Oh, but between Tiger Woods, and we should get an update on Tiger Woods, who's playing in the Masters right now. Tiger Woods, Donald Trump, if there's a lesson here, if you're ever a super rich person, there's a lot of women out there who are out to ruin your life. So if you're going to go out looking for tail, you got to be really, really careful. Well, they're to ruin your life. They're out to profit. You know, well, that's their head. main goal. They, they're not sure. Ruining your life doesn't benefit them any. But they're right. out to profit, which could ruin your life. Right, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Danger, danger. How is uh, Le Tigre doing? Uh, I haven't even looked lately. Friends. <laughs> Friends. <laughs> Let me dial up my master's app, friends. What do they got along the Ooh. fairways there? Daffodils? No, azaleas, Jack. <laughs> In full bloom. The birds love it. The yeah. cross-pollinization of the bees. Exactly. So, uh, Tiger Woods, This, according to USA Today, this would be the biggest sports comeback of all time if he won the Masters. You know, uh, somebody put uh, that to Tiger, and Tiger uncharacteristically said, oh, let's not get carried away. Ben Hogan was in a near-fatal fo- car wreck and came back and won a major. So it was uh, slightly self-effacing, which was amazing. Oh, whoops. That was the wrong button. Oh, 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 no. Oh, no. Tiger Woods has given two strokes back. Wait, what am I doing? Yeah, exactly. You don't yell it. Tiger, after an initially promising start of one under par after three, has given back two strokes to par and is one over after eight. Back-to-back bogeys. Not a good stretch for Tiger. See if he can make up for it on Amen Corner. Can he? <laughs> can, he yeah. can he shake it off? You got to say Amen Corner at least fifty times. Will do. Um, and you have to speak in a tone of voice like you're going into the uh, the back corner of the library to say, "We close in about a half an hour." So Hi, friends. Can... Now to Ian on seventeen. Ian. Is Faraday doing uh, the coverage for this? He is. I love Faraday. He's David great. Faraday is uh, nutty and very funny, but he uh, he strips off like the 30% nuttiest of his thing and is like David Faraday at a funeral to do the Masters because the Masters is a private club running a private invitational tournament and 
they can kick anybody they want out. And famously, a guy named Gary McCord made a completely innocent joke like two decades ago. And the master said, you can't have him on the broadcast anymore. Wow. What kind of joke was it? Was he, it he said the greens were so fast. No, no, no. That was another one. <laughs> and I call that the aristocrat. So long he could, right. <laughs> and I call that the aristocrat. Right. Thank it was you, a man. really long joke. Yeah. Yeah, that was the point. It was so freaking long. Everybody got tired of the setup. Uh, no, funny. he said the uh, the greens were so fast. It was uh, they hadn't been mowed. They'd been mi- bikini waxed. And that's not and Augusta National said no. It's not we, ma- master's material. They said that does not coexist, friends, with the azaleas. Mm. And we're going to ask you to leave, please. So who's the leader at the Masters? I hope it's not a foreigner. Some guy. I don't know. <laughs> I'm looking at the. Is it an American? Uh, Leishman? Leishman? Mark Leishman? Yeah. Is that an American? Oh, no. long hitting, beefy Australian nah. Mark Leishman. Oh, hey. You know what I've learned about Australians? I think I have time to do this story. Do I have that? Their know. toilet water swirls in the opposite direction. No, VJ Singh, another foreigner in second. Some guy I don't really know in third. Oh, another foreigner in fourth. Another foreigner in fifth. You've got to go for. T- t- well, they're actually tied third. An American, I, finally. So Patrick I Reed. I didn't get to Australia's gambling problem. They've got a national problem with uh, people addicted to gambling. I didn't get to why they brought down the McKinley statue at a city in, in California. All that tomorrow. And now it's time for final thoughts with those two hotties, Armstrong and Getty. Mm. And the other guys, too. Yeah. Mm. You sound skanky. Here's your host, Joe oh. Getty. Oh. She sounds a little skanky. What? what? Let's get a final thought from everybody. Hey, uh, Marshall Phillips, what's your final thought? All right, I am gearing up for another round of very rigorous athletic training this afternoon. As I told you uh, the other day, I am up to two push-ups so far. Two push-ups in a row, aiming for ten in a row by uh, sometime in June or July. This was about where you were when you tore your abdominal wall last time. Yeah. Uh, Michelangelo, final thought. Uh, Yeah, real quick, uh, when Tiger Woods misses a putt, I need fans to throw a breathalyzer on the green. (laughs) Um, uh, positive, Sean, your final thought? Yes, my illness uh, prevented me from seeing Ready Player One last weekend. I'm uh, going to see it today. I'll have a full review for you tomorrow. Uh, Jack, do you have a final thought for us? Yeah, my son lost his... He's down five teeth currently, of his baby teeth falling out, and uh, he can hardly talk. I hope he doesn't pull any more out tonight. That was a bloody mess last night. Hey. Eel. Oh, we have a poll up about that at armstrongandgettyradio.com, by the way, too. Uh, right, uh, and armstrongandgetty.com if you like uh, brevity, if you're into the brevity thing, man. <laughs> uh, I missed a couple of days, so I get a double bonus uh, final thought. Number one, uh, you should not try to get out of jury duty. Serve because it is a sacred right in our Constitution in any free society. Uh, I'm not joking. Do jury duty. Secondly, if you do it, it will be one of the most interesting experiences you will ever have on several different levels. So do it because you ought to, and do it for selfish reasons, too. What's it pay? I think it's 15 bucks a day, plus uh, she made 45 sweet dollars? Oh, yeah. Plus mileage. Oh, yeah. She might be around like 55, 60 bucks. Huh? That's some serious dough. Cha-ching. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people who thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. Email us. uh, Talk to us. If you see something we ought to be talking about, send it along. Marshall comes into cash. He buys us breakfast. Yeah, that's true. True, indeed. You buy us some food with that. Buy your own breakfast. See you tomorrow. God bless America. (laughs) This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. 
the fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over. The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. Yeah, we apologize for our stupidity, and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Then the show's over. Bye-bye. Meanwhile, Taco Bell offered them a light. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.